0: Sunny Sixteen
1: presents. Hello, listeners. This is Billy Safford, and welcome to Sunny Sixteen Presents on location. Today, I have another installment from my series of chats with members of the community around music and photography. Today's chat is with Christian Straff, who some of you may remember from the episode when Sunny Sixteen presents that he and Jonathan Becker did on developing with Kavanaugh. We talked about how he got into photography. We talked about Kavanagh, and we talked about how the pandemic affected his photography. We then talked about the music group that he plays in with his wife, along with members from Sweden and Cameroon. They play a range of music, including Celtic tunes, but I was very intrigued some time back when I learned that the group played bluegrass music. We then talked about the similar goals in music and photography, the significance of having a social component, that you can trust, who can inspire you and give you constructive feedback, as well as the thin line between appropriation and inspiration. Let's have a listen. I'm grateful to be joined by Christian Strauf, who listeners may remember did a Sunny 16 Presents episode with Jonathan Becker uh, a little while back and asked him if he would chat with me about this topic of uh, music and photography that I've been reaching out to a few members of the community about. So Christian, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today?
0: Uh, Very good. Thank you, Billy, for for having me. Thank uh, It's quite an honor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's an honor you would take some time. We we don't know when people will be listening to this, but this is actually New Year's Day, so I'm sure you could have found something else to do with your time. So I I really appreciate you taking a, a little bit of it for me.
0: Billy, when you call me, I will stand by and do everything you want. No, not everything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, the last couple of times we chatted, you mentioned that you've kind of been on a little bit of an analog hiatus recently, but you are still taking pictures, I think, specifically with your Fuji X-Pro2. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's correct. I mean... I don't know. I think, the uh, like for most people, the whole pandemic thing was very, n- not extremely difficult, but it was, you know, I, I, th- I felt like time was being, uh, time is very precious. And I, I used to develop all of my film and caffanol and so on, which was quite a, yeah, which is quite, quite a tedious process if you don't want to spend a lot of time. And, and especially the scanning just, you know. Was something that took so much time that I decided to reduce the amount of analog photography. I mean, I do take Instax uh, images mm-hmm. and enjoy that quite a lot, but yeah, I, I think the the whole developing and, and scanning process was something that I wasn't, you know, didn't want to spend much time on. So yeah, so I picked up the camera that comes closest to <laughs> being uh, to, to an analog camera, which mm-hmm. is my X Pro Two, and. Yeah, I love shooting with it. I love uh, the results I get, and yeah, so yeah. Absolutely,
1: I mean, it is a great camera, and you've still been getting uh, great shots, in my opinion. I really like your compositions, particularly. Uh, thanks,
0: Billy. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of fun to shoot. And I, I, I think I, I uh, was. I know that Graham will hate me saying that, but I was inspired by A8 and got rid of <laughs> quite a lot of analog gear that I hardly ever used and. And some ended up with Jonathan, uh, who, men- you, who you mentioned earlier, and right. so I'm glad that uh, it found a good home. So, yeah, me
1: yeah. too, absolutely. So, so let's back up a little bit. Uh, that that's sort of your current situation, but how did you get started in photography?
0: Oh, I, I started in, in, in my teens, I think. And the first camera, and I actually still have it, uh, is a Praktika um, uh, camera that was made in the German Democratic Republic in Eastern Germany. And it had really, really cool uh, Zeiss lenses. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was uh, given to me as a present by my grandfather because uh, we went to Bruges. In Belgium, and I took uh, pictures with that his camera there, and he thought, "Oh yeah, just you know, keep it." And and yeah, I, I used that a lot, but I uh, very quickly ended up with the Canon AE One, which was quite a current ca- uh, camera when I was uh, a teenager, and my right. my dad had one, and yeah, and yeah, I, I shot a lot of images with that, and. We had a dark room at school,
1: so uh, I ended up, you know, doing making prints and so <laughs> on, and I loved it. Right, it is very fun. And the, the AE1, I think, you know, a while back you were giving me some. We were talking about the the FD mount lenses, and you were giving me yes. a couple of your recommendations. What What was your go to on on the AE1?
0: Uh, oddly enough, I, I think there are a lot of people who'd say that the fifty mil is. A go-to lens, but uh, actually, one of the best lenses I uh, owned was the 35mm f/2 lens. Okay, it's it's such a great lens because I um, made a zine uh, a while ago um, about Helsinki, and I just took the 35mm and the 85mm uh, Canon FD lens, and they are such gorgeous len- lenses and very good travel kit. So yeah, they're very nice. I think if they're very nice, yeah.
1: And the, and the 35 is a great walking around cityscape type of lens. I think that perspective is a good, is a good focal length for that sort of work.
0: Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, I'm, I, uh, um, Jeff Greenstein said that he loved the 40 millimeter lens of his Olympus, uh, 35 RC. Hey, Jeff, greetings <laughs> from and, yeah. and I think the, uh, the, um, uh, the 35 millimeter comes very close to the 40 millimeter of the 35RC, and it's such a nice focal length. And, uh, by the way, I also still own my 35RC uh, okay. Olympus. That's a great
1: camera. It, it really is. It really is. So, we talked just a little bit about the caffinol. How, how did you get interested in that?
0: Yeah, it was quite funny because I talked about that a little bit in the uh, Sunny 16 presents uh, episode, and I think uh, at first it was a nerdy thing to do, I mm-hmm. guess, and it was a lot of fun because uh, I mean it was very unusual. It was I liked a lot that it was um, not as toxic as uh, a lot of the developers that you uh, that you have usually. And um, I right. have uh, small kids, and it's not like I couldn't lock stuff away. I still mm-hmm. lock uh, things away, obviously, but uh, you can actually. Um, uh, fi- um, Use caffeine or quite um, eco friend in a quite eco friendly way, and apart from that, I think the results are just amazing. Yeah, it's they, such a great developer.
1: They are very nice, and I, so here in the states, obviously, we can get things, but just like in my local city, there isn't a dedicated camera store even I mean even for digital and and certainly not for film so it's nice that you can source a lot of those ingredients just at at the normal grocery store or supermarket right
0: yeah that's true yeah I think it I mean even if the supply of chemicals uh, I mean we we heard that for example Fuji doesn't produce a lot of film anymore because they don't get the chemicals I, I think it's not the same with developer but it's good to know that there is uh, some alternative that you, that's easily available. That's true.
1: Okay. Well, shame on us because we've been talking about Japanese cameras up to this point. But you live in Germany, which, of course, has a very rich uh, history in photography. And you can certainly feel free to correct my pronunciation. But I would say Leica and Roly and Voigtlander and Agfa. You know, they all have a lot of history there. You know what's your experience with the photography community over there? Can you just walk into the corner store and buy a Leica for five dollars?
0: Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think it's probably not that different uh, from the U.S. or the U.K. or any other place. I mean, uh, to be perfectly honest, a few years ago, you could get really good lenses and cameras that were very popular in the East. I live in the middle of Germany and which is very close to the uh, former uh, border to um, the German Democratic Republic and a few years ago it was easy to find uh, cameras that were manufactured in the GDR Mm -hmm. so uh, there were very good size lenses available uh, very often uh, M42 mount uh, which were easy, easy to adapt and but uh, that changed, and I think it's uh, if you go to garage sales or flea markets and whatnot. I think it's very difficult to find good gear. I mm. once got a, which is not an East German camera, but uh, I once got a Yashica T4 for ten euros oh. on a flea market, and wow. uh, I dropped I dropped it. <laughs> it's <dead>. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, oh, the no. wrist strap detached. Yeah, no, but um, I think the. Uh, there are a, quite a number of uh, camera uh, German cameras around here, especially because we live like 50 kilometers south of where Rollei used to uh, produce their cameras. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the uh, uh, twin lens reflexes and, and the, uh, also the small Rollei uh, 35mm cameras were made right. very close to here. And I once went by the house of a, uh, there was this huge village garage sale where everyone sold stuff, and I went by this house where one of the tech guys, uh, he used to work in manufacturing, mm-hmm. he he had heaps and tons of uh, Olai cameras, oh. but he wouldn't sell any <laughs> because he was very well aware how much they were worth. And oh, it was, no. uh, yeah, it was a real pity. And they just, you know, just sat on his shelves.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, specifically, you live near the, is it Harz Mountains?
0: Harz Mountains, yeah.
1: Okay. And and from the images you've shared, I mean, the scenery around there and the surrounding villages, it's all quite picturesque. Tell us about some of your favorite places you, you go to shoot around there.
0: Yeah, I think the Harz Mountains uh, are... I mean the area, especially when if you if you uh, are used to the areas in the U.S., it's not like it's a huge area. It's it's quite small, and the mountains are. I think the uh, the largest, uh, the, the highest mountain is a thousand one hundred forty nine meters high. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it to you to translate <laughs> that to feet. But it's, uh, it's not very high. But um, the mountains have uh, are quite. Uh, a lot of them, uh, a lot of the areas, national park, and it's quite wild. It's not. Uh, there are areas which are, you know, you you feel like it's it's more. Um, it's not that rough, but the Hartz Mountains uh, are, are very uh, rough. Have rough climate, rain, uh, snow, and so on. Not all over the year, but yeah. So so it's it's it has this mystic uh, sort of atmosphere. Okay, and that's what I love a lot, and it's it's, actually, it's it's really nice to actually go there when the weather is not that good because it gives you, you know, misty atmosphere, misty mountains, and right, yeah, right. So exactly. that's I, I would re- definitely recommend go, going during any weather. Go to the mountains, and there's a there's a lot of um, uh, old mining. Um, that I mean, they've been mining the Hearts Mountains for. Well over, let me see. It must be almost a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a lot of mining there, and and uh, there are medieval mines, and it's very interesting. So there's a lot of history uh, involved, and uh, a lot of sites where you can still see old mining um, facilities, which you can incorporate into your compositions. And yeah, uh, it's very interesting.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, so. Um, there you know i'm I'm in the southeast part of the United States, and the u s has you know there's there's certain mountainous regions I guess all across the country. There are two main ranges in my mind, the Appalachians on the eastern side and the Rockies on the western side so I live sort of uh in North Alabama, which is just about the foothills of the Appalachians and so I'm going to be, uh, you know, uh, have some familiarity with our next topic, which was uh, bluegrass music. So I remember being (laughs) so surprised uh, when I heard that you were not just, uh, you know, a listener of bluegrass music, but also a musician um, of it yourself. And and that is, you know, like I said, even though... Uh, it's, it's fairly common around here. The bluegrass community in my area is still what I would call pretty small compared to, you know, other musicians who play other types of genres. So can you talk us through a little bit of, about that? How did you get interested in it? And and, and what do you play and, and all of <laughs> that?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny. Uh, uh, the story, how I, I, I mean, I, never listened to country or other sorts of Americana music at all. But uh, funny enough, um, uh, on the Film Wasters forum that I spent a lot of time on, there is uh, Becky. Hi, Becky. Shout out to Becky. And, <laughs> and there is this mu- music thread. And I remember that Becky once posted a, a YouTube video of a uh, of a bluegrass band covering some pop song. I think it was Major Tom. Mm -hmm. maybe I'm not entirely sure and it was I was I was so taken by the 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 fun they had playing uh, that music that I that was like three years ago something and and for some reason I can't explain I I picked up a bluegrass mandolin because I mean I I used to I have the classical uh, music education Uh, I got that as as a kid I, I played violin for uh, six years and 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 viola for eight years and the mandolin is actually tuned like a violin mm-hmm. so I could actually read the sheet music and 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 play it even though there is not a lot of bluegrass sheet music but yeah <laughs> right. and then I got into playing it and my wife plays um uh, started playing the banjo mm-hmm we play together, and uh, now we play with uh, a very illustrious circle of people. We have a, <laughs> our bass player is from Sweden, our, uh, our, our he plays Clawhammer Benja, and double bass, and our other bass player is from Cameroon in Africa. So oh, wow. <laughs> we have, uh, and it's it's just I mean it's uh, it's it's not like it's the the only music that we listen to or play. We we play like. Celtic music as well and folk music and, and we, we found our love for old time American uh, music um, right. but yeah it's so somehow it fits into this mountain area that we live in <laughs> too and it seems
1: to speak to people right yeah, so it's, it's so, so you all have played like some public gigs around uh, we
0: wanted to but then there was this little thing uh, the pandemic right that, uh, <laughs> That basic, yeah, we, we we actually we really want to play and and, and uh, do like garden concerts and and barbecue concerts, okay, uh, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's not possible right now. But right. we uh, really hope to be able to do that next year. Oh, this year, this year, happy That's New right. Year!
1: Happy New Year! <laughs> this year. <laughs> well, I, I certainly hope so. Are Are you going to make any recordings at some point? Maybe that people could check out.
0: Yeah, maybe, but I think it's quite easy, actually, because especially if you play uh, old-time music, it's all public domain, so you don't have right. to to worry about copyright uh, stuff and so on, so I, it's possible, yeah. Right,
1: okay, well, so we've talked a little bit about your photography and a little bit about your music, and that's what these series of chats with people that I'm doing is all about is music and photography and how these things maybe intersect or the influences. And so of course, you know, vi- uh, photography is a visual medium and music is, you know, sound, but in both cases you're trying to evoke emotions or convey a feeling or set a mood. I mean, what are some of the similarities in those two different creative processes from your perspective? About what you know, what do you get out of them? What do you enjoy about them? All of that sort of stuff.
0: As yeah, I I mean, uh, when you asked me uh, about this, uh, you know, having this interview, I I start I couldn't stop thinking about the whole topic, (laughs) and uh, I think the more you think about it, the more obvious is uh, it is how how similar photography and or taking photos and making music is because um as you said you 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 i I think for me it's a search of uh, search it sounds a little bit um ridiculous maybe but it's like a search for beauty you know because i mean you don't take photos uh, uh because you think that your subject or whatever you take the photo of is ugly because but because even if it is ugly, you want to present it in a way that speaks to people, you know? So uh, there is some sort of uh, aesthetic uh, that goes with an image that you take. And I think it's the same with with music. Um, you want to play in a way that speaks to people. And and to be perfectly honest, normally I try to take an image that I like and try to play the music the way I like it. Right, And if If people to happen happen to like it too, that's really really good. But it's not like it's a hobby, you know. I don't need to take photos uh, or make music for a living, so I'm not I'm not locked into you know making a profit from it or or just playing what people want to hear. But
1: yeah, right. So that's that's
0: very similar.
1: Yeah, it it sort of speaks. You know, we we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but you know, there's a strong storytelling element to bluegrass music I think in my experience anyway and and so that sort of uh, relates to what you were just talking about in in both cases you know even if the subject matter of a photo is not you know if someone else might Walking by see it as sort of ordinary or mundane. I mean, you want to take a picture of it and you want to, that picture to be compelling So you're telling a little bit of a story and and sort of the same thing with the music, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, There's always a story behind the song or the the image that you take I mean, we've we started playing a, a tune a while ago, which we only started because the melody was so great and it's called shut up in the uh, mine of uh, coal creek
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's about it's an old time tune or like like a uh, not a bluegrass tune because bluegrass is younger than the song was written but it's about this horrible accident in a coal mine where a lot of the miners were locked in because there was some a sort of explosion and they suffocated but they had uh, paper and pencils with them and they could actually write down letters to their loved ones and i mean that is <laughs> the most horrible thing but uh, right. and, and tragic thing on the one hand but on the other hand it's so there is a sort of like a beauty that they can still say goodbye and there are photos of the minds if you search for that online and i think that's i mean you can look at a photo and if you don't know the backstory it's uh it might be a good photo but if there is a backstory that's filled in and you you read about what the the background is uh, it makes the the photo even more interesting and it's the same with music i mean obviously you have the lyrics and you can grasp what was going on but you don't necessarily know the exact story behind the song and i think uh, that's also a similarity that uh, knowing the context of a song and the context of an image is just adds to the whole experience of looking at the image or hearing the song.
1: Right. Okay. Well, the, uh, a couple of other things that we talked about. So so gas is one, gear acquisition syndrome. <laughs> so photographers yes. are afflicted, musicians are afflicted. Um, oh my goodness, yeah. And then one of the other things, you know, and, and so over here are, are, are at least the way that i most often hear it is what we would call imposture syndrome or this feeling that you know you're not other people are are putting out better work than you are are doing better stuff than you um just this idea that you're you're not good enough or very good at what you're doing and and of course that is usually not the case <laughs> but but how i mean how do you approach gas and how do you approach this impostor syndrome sort of phenomenon so
0: so i suffered from gas uh, yeah. uh, when it came to uh, c- came to camera acquisition and lens acquisitions i suffered quite a lot mm-hmm. <clears throat> because when i uh, got back into uh, film photography um it was really easy to find good stuff on flea markets and garage sales. Right. But yeah, there was this I I don't know if you know this uh, sort of feeling that you you know you collect a lot of cameras, you buy all sorts of different films, you have plenty of different devo- developers and at some point you're just sorry, you're just overwhelmed with the choice, you know? Right. It's it's like you don't know any camera intimately you know it's not like you always need to think and where is uh, the the where do you set the aperture where do I set the time and so on and I think uh, at some point and that was very close to when I started with caffernol I realized that I really need to concentrate on one camera and one film and one developer because if you just keep experimenting you're not going to get proficient and and uh, the the main thing that you do is the the process of taking an image and not you know not what you want to convey in the image so it, it basically loses right. <clears throat> a lot of meaning and right. it's the same same with music I mean you can really geek out uh, <laughs> when it comes to instruments and strings I mean it's like I experienced that as well you get a really nice mandolin then that doesn't sound properly anymore you get a new one and then you find that uh, these strings sound much better than these strings and then you obsess about picks Mm -hmm. and and so on and so yeah it's it's, it's, in terms of gear acquisition syndrome i think if you overcame that for uh, cameras it's a very good thing because you need that training to also overcome it when it comes to instruments
1: (laughs) I I agree, and I know that that's that's a thing. I mean, what you just said was a thing. I think I I had a wrong assumption about the community. You know, I, I, I knew that there were people that liked to experiment, but I assumed just from hearing other people talk about it that everybody was sort of on this journey and trying to eventually get to that one camera, one film, one developer combination, or to find, you know, a, a very limited combination that they like, that work for them, you know, that help them tell the best stories. And so I, I posed that sort of scenario to an online group not long ago, and and found out how wrong I was. <laughs> and it's not that, you know, I. Well some people just don't like it, you know, they they think it's boring or monotonous to, you know, all of their pictures will look the same if they're using the same film and same camera and same developer. And experimenting is a way um, you know, to keep things fresh or to allow them to see in a different way. And I get that, but I'm the way that I'm wired is sort of like what you were describing. I mean, for me, I wanted to narrow things down just so that I could become proficient at them. So, yeah. and, and, and there isn't a right or wrong way to that. I don't think, I mean, it's, it's everybody's own individual journey, right?
0: Sure. I mean, um, if, 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 if it's fun for you to change camera every day, that's perfectly fine. And, I mean <clears throat> I do love to listen to Jeff and Gabe uh, <laughs> about, uh you know talking about their collections but I don't know if you uh, uh listen to the last few episodes and I think Gabe picking up is uh, Nikon what is it FM2 I think and yeah. enjoying it tremendously yeah, enjoying it tremendously with one single lens so was like yeah that's exactly the feeling that I had when I picked up my Canon F1 mm-hmm. and I I Almost cl- exclusively shot with it, and 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 I never regretted it because it's so nice. If you get very familiar with something, then. But that's as you said. That's a very individual uh, feeling. I think some people don't feel that joy, but I, I I feel like it's it's a very soothing feeling if you know that you know the gear inside and out. You know, it's right. uh, it's so much easier to use it properly if that's the case. So. Uh,
1: I think yeah, so. But, I think so.
0: And it's a, it's the same with uh, with musical instruments. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you can play all sorts of different instruments. Even if it's like the same, even if it's like ten different bluegrass mandolins, they are all very different. But if you want to, I think if you want to play proficiently, your fingers and your hands they get used to a certain instrument, and it's probably much easier. At least for me to play one the same instrument properly instead of, you know, getting a new one and and trust me, with, as with cameras there's always a better instrument no, <laughs> no doubt about it
1: Right but, yeah. Okay And and uh, was the imposture syndrome anything that you have experienced or known other musicians or photographers to go through that? Mm. Or just the you idea know, so- that you, you're not good enough or, or that you don't you know, or that other people are doing better work.
0: Um, I think it's it's it's. I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm a middle-aged man, you know. And, <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> you too. And I mean, I've had my sh- a share of experiences in life. Not mm-hmm. as uh, I, mean, I mean, it sounds kind of dumb, but I mean, social media, for example, was uh, something that I, I I I used to do a lot of Instagram. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I realized that I'm. I fell for looking at how many likes an image got, right? And I, I hated that because I couldn't. No, it's it's not. I I I want people to like my photography. So I, it's wrong to say I couldn't care less. But the thing is, if you if you try to when you take an image and you think about how would people rate this image on Instagram, then there's something wrong. Right. because uh, it's you need to learn your own creative language and if if you just want to please people i don't think that would be something that uh, you know you i would consider art i don't know if that yeah. sounds it certainly makes sense
1: <laughs> it does and it certainly seems less enjoyable I'm, i mean at the end of the day my hope is that i make an image that i like You know, I I want I want to engage in these hobbies for my own benefit first, you know, if and if I like it, you know, and if other people like it, that's great. If they don't, that's okay too. But if if I don't like it and I'm not doing it because I like it, it doesn't seem likely to me that I'm going to produce very good work anyway.
0: Yeah, but um, I think uh, that's right to a certain extent. And Mm -hmm. um, but um, I think it's also important to have a community, you know, where people challenge you, challenge you to do things that you know take you out of your comfort zone.
1: No, that's that's a good point.
0: Because sometimes I I think uh, I would never have thought about taking certain images in a certain way if hadn't before one of my friends like. Um, I'm in a uh, uh, in a chat group with Jonathan and a very good friend of mine Manuel, mm-hmm. who basically was the reason I got back into uh, <laughs> analog photography because I saw him standing uh, in a riverbed that was not entirely dry with his four x five, and I was like, that is so cool! I really want to do <laughs> something like that. And yeah, and I, I mean, we used to have these challenges uh, where we would have a topic, which you know. Sp- one of us suggest, suggested and we just, you know, went for it. And I think that is something completely different. That's not the same as, you know, uh, uh, taking images for likes. It's right. it's more, more like try something new and get inspired. That's two different things. So I'm not saying that it's wrong to get inspired, but other people on the contrary. But I think it's if you try to please people, that's not... Not a good thing, I think. I
1: agree. I agree. I mean, you know, there are people that do that. Um, And and I'm not even just necessarily talking about photographers or analog photographers. But there are people on social media who, you know, want to be what they call an influencer. And maybe they're trying to monetize their feed, you know, and they're going after likes. So they're going to create content that's going to... You know, and, and their goal is to appeal to as many people as possible. But but like we were just saying, I mean, for for photography, for me anyway, just as a hobby, I'm doing it for fun. And yeah. so I, w- I want to make images that I like first. And, and I do, you know, hope that other people like them as well. And yeah. I do share images, too, also because of the community thing that you were saying. I mean, I think... You know, I, I don't share pictures every day, but I like to share them occasionally just because it's, you know, fun to get that interaction with other people that are interested yeah. in the same things that you are.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the reason I keep sharing on Instagram, mm-hmm. because, I mean, it's there are so many lovely people in the community, and I, I still very fondly remember, uh, I think it was almost three years ago, when we had this photo walk in London with... Uh, a number of uh, people from the film wa- phase, uh, film Wasters Forum and with Sunny Sixteeners, uh, mm-hmm. Rachel was there. And okay, I mean it's it's so interesting because that's such an unlikely group of people. I think <laughs> th- th- there were so many different backgrounds and and, and 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 yeah, that's something that was so wonderful because you you basically unite because of one thing, which is the love for photography and. Uh, it's the same with music too. I mean, uh, you you right. get together with people who would otherwise, you know, you wouldn't have any uh, any contact with, you know, and right. uh, that's something that I enjoy tremendously. And and for those people, I post the images because if you get f- talk about your your images with those people, it's in a trustful in a in a, in a how how do you say that and um, in, like like in a safe environment right. where people. Can can actually critique you without trying to be harmful or, or toxic, you know? Right, so, constructive uh, criticism. Really, yeah, constructive criticism. That's something that is because I think uh, there is there are so many people who are very sensitive uh, uh, and who get really get destroyed on social media, and that's uh, such a shame because it really is. they might be very talent, talented people, and there are a number of trolls that shout them down, and I think you. It's hard to find a good environment to share uh, images and get critique, yeah?
1: it is. constructive and like you, critique. And like you said with the music, it, it sounds like your your bluegrass group is very diverse. A lot of people, different people from oh, yes. different <laughs> backgrounds.
0: Yeah, different beliefs, different uh, different skin colors. Right. And yeah, it's very interesting. And I mean, uh, bluegrass—not bluegrass, but the a lot of the old American music has this. Um, um, I think the uh, the the um, the term is a cultural appropriation. Right. You know, there was sl- slavery, and a lot of the culture was basically taken from the slaves and and and, and, and incorporated. And I think it's a. Re- it's very, um, it's good to think about that, Mm -hmm. but then uh, it's also um, very important that it's, you know, being uh, inspired by a different culture and and adopting things that you um, admire in a positive way is not cultural appropriation, so it's it's a very thin line, because I, I understand people who say, yeah, that's cultural appropriation, you need to be you you, you cannot do that especially i mean as i said i'm i'm a i'm a middle-aged white man and uh you need to think about that and then then there's uh my friend from africa who who loves this music because it's uh in rhythmic in a way he likes it and 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 yeah so
1: exactly well you know and i think someone else from a different background created something uh well music is is the example that I'm thinking of here and you enjoy it as well because that's another thing uh, that has come up in my photography and music background was having friends that played blues music and of course that was, you know, pretty much the exact scenario you were talking about. And they enjoyed it and they played it well but always tried to, you know, not claim that they were that they were the ones that came up with this, but to honor the people who did it originally.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, um, inspiration is not a bad thing, you know? I right. mean, if you look at classical music, a lot of the great composers basically, I, I want, don't want to say rip off, but they, they copied a lot of uh, the things that other uh, composers wrote, but I think it was more, more like... Oh, I like these melodies. I like these phrases, and they they use them to create something of their own. And I mean, uh, it's the same in photography. I mean, if you look at a at a great photographer, obviously, if you admire that photographer, you try to uh, um, imitate certain elements of uh, his or her style. And I think that is there is nothing wrong from uh, with that if you that for learning and for you know developing your own style and in the end i mean <clears throat> as you said we are very di- diverse group making music and obviously there are so many influences that come into this uh, playing together that um, you get something new in the end even though the original type of music was inspired by someone else and other cu- cultures but yeah i don't want to you know i don't want to Trivialize cultural appropriation, but I, um, I think this discu- the discussion is a little bit more um, has more facets than yes, you know, just <laughs> taking uh, yeah. I, I uh, but agree. But you're perfectly right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's problematic. You need to be very aware that there is this uh, issue. Yeah, for sure.
1: I agree. But to to your original point about the. Both of these things, uh, the community in photography and the community in music, it is, uh, in my opinion, a great thing that it can bring people together from different backgrounds yes. and, and different interests. And they can share these things that they enjoy together. And it, yeah, it makes us all very, a richer uh, community experience, I think.
0: Yeah, it's uh, the, the best kind of diversity that I can think of. Yeah, that's it's right. very good. Excellent. Yeah, and and as, especially if you look at uh, a work of people uh, uh, there are other people who do brilliant work that is completely not my style but I still enjoy it a lot. You you um, had an, uh, Claire Marie Bailey for example. It's, right. it's so interesting. I mean I'm always reminded of like the 60s and 70s when I look at her images and Me too. something <laughs> I could, I, I wouldn't be able to produce even if I wanted but yeah it's such a joy to look at uh, her work and other people's work so yeah
1: it is all right well thank you so much christian for joining me and and telling us about the bluegrass music and the lovely uh, picturesque uh mountains in germany and and sort of your experience with music and photography I've i've really enjoyed catching up with you and and appreciate you taking some time for me
0: thank you very much for having me billy it was i had a blast it was really good thank you very much
1: i want to thank christian again for talking with me about his photographic and musical experiences as we mentioned during the recording it was actually new year's day when we recorded so i'm especially grateful that he would take some time out to chat and again i hope you're all enjoying these chats The background music you've heard at the beginning and ending of each episode is from Mike Gutterman at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com and thanks as always to the team over at Sunny 16 for hosting the Sunny 16 Presents feed which has made these chats possible. Please do get in touch with them at sunny16presents at gmail.com and let us all hear what you've been up to. I'll be back again soon with another installment. In the meantime, I hope everyone is well.